Heavenly Father, we ask that you would send the Holy Spirit to us now so that our souls would put hope in your word and long for your salvation. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, what is one of the great riddles of life? What is the great riddle of life? Well, one of them is, how do I stay alive? How do I stay alive and not die? This is the question that people are perplexed with from very early on in life. How do I live forever? How do I escape death? And the psalm that we're looking at this morning, as we come to celebrate the work of God's grace in the lives of Gabby and Zach as they are baptised, the psalm that I've chosen to look at this morning has wisdom for everyone about living forever, for low, high, rich and poor, for everyone, about how we can escape the grave or how we cannot escape the grave uh, by one means. And we see this in the opening verses. In verse 1, the psalmist opens with, Hear this, all you peoples. Listen, all who live in this world, both low and high, rich and poor alike. My mouth will speak words of wisdom. The utterance from my heart will give understanding. I will turn my ear to a proverb. With the harp, I will expound my riddle. I have wisdom for you if you care to listen. And what is the advice that the psalmist gives? Well, he firstly says that trusting in riches to avoid death is foolish. Trusting in riches to avoid death is foolish. Why is that? Well, he says that no one can redeem their life or the life of anybody else from the grave. We see that in verse 7. Verse 7, he's got wisdom for us if we care to listen. He says, no man can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for him. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough that he should live on forever and not see decay. The psalmist encourages us to come to the understanding that we cannot ransom our lives from the grave. Our lives are too costly and there is nothing that can pay for them. No amount of cash can redeem our life from the grave. And this is the Bible's teaching. The Bible teaches this again and again throughout its uh, words, not just here in Psalm 49, but the psalmist also encourages us to see these words confirmed in experience, to look around us, look at history, and see that wealthy people have died just as much as those who have not wealth. And we see that in verse 10. Verse 10, he says, For all can see, everyone can see, that wise men die, the foolish and the senseless alike perish, and leave their wealth to others. Their tombs will remain their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations, though they had named lands after themselves. These people are wealthy enough to actually be remembered as this block of land was owned by that person, or they had named that piece of land after themselves. But where are they now? They are in the grave. That is where they have gone, and that is where they stay. So what hope, then, is there from the psalmist? What hope is there? The Bible's teaching is that there is no ransom that can be paid to save you from death. What hope is there? Well, in verse 15, we see the hope that the Bible promises, that God promises. We see it in verse 15. But God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself. God is the one who can redeem us from the grave. We cannot redeem ourselves or redeem anybody else, but God can. And so Psalm 49's wisdom is the great message of the Bible, the great message. What is that message? Well, the message starts with the bad news. The message starts with the bad news. And what is that bad news? Man has sinned against his creator, against God himself. What is sin? Well, every time we break God's law, 
That is sin. How bad is our sin? Well, it's equivalent to murder. It's equivalent to murder. Murder of God. Every time we break his laws, we are making an assassination attempt upon the king himself, the king of kings. We're saying, I don't want you in my life. Drop dead God. I am going to rule my life the way I want it. And we're making an assassination attempt upon our king. And so then what is the result of our assassination attempt? Well, it's slavery. Slavery to what? Slavery to death. Slavery to death. There are chains around every sinner pulling us down to the grave. We may push against those chains, but they are there, and they are inevitably pulling us down to the grave where we deserve to go. And why are we enslaved to death? Why do we have this death hanging over us? Well, it's because our assassination attempts upon God are failures. They're failures. Why? God is still alive. Despite every effort to put him to death, despite every effort to remove him from our lives, he is still there. And he's very much alive. And so why do we die then? Because God's justice demands slavery to death. God's justice demands slavery to death for those who have sinned against him. For those who have tried to kill him, he demands that they be enslaved to death. Enslaved to the punishment of death in this world and then the eternal death in hell the second death that the Bible speaks so clearly of. But why can't we buy our life back? Why can't we escape these chains that are are over us, this slavery that we have to death? Why can't we buy our life back? Because God doesn't want our money for our assassination attempts against him, for our murderous actions against him. He doesn't want our money. What does he want instead? What does his justice demand? His justice demands vengeance in blood. An avenger of blood doesn't want cash. Just think about it in your life. If there was a really wealthy person, a really wealthy man, and he murdered your mother or your father, your brother or your sister or your child or your best friend, and he said, how much will it cost me to not go to jail? How much will it cost me not to be put to death if he lives in a country that believes in capital punishment? What would you want? What amount of money would satisfy you? if it was your own mother who was put to death, or your own child, or your sister, who you loved dearly, had been murdered by this rich man, and he thought he could just pay his way out of the punishment. You would not want money. You would want him to suffer. You would want him to be punished, to know that he can't go around killing whoever he wants and just pay his way out of the punishment. And it's the same with God. It's the same with God. Same with our sin against God. It is a murderous action that we have taken against God in our sin. Every time we break his law, we are attempting murder upon him. And he doesn't want our cash. He wants our blood. He is an avenger of blood. For those who have tried to murder, to shed the blood of God, he wants blood in return. And so therefore we can see the foolishness of the idea that we can pay some sort of amount of money and escape from death. And the foolishness of those who heap up money thinking they can prolong their life indefinitely in this world and save themselves from their death. Because we see in experience and we see in this psalm that it doesn't matter how much money you have. Because you have sinned against God, you are destined for the grave. Verse 14 says that. We're like the beasts, like sheep. Verse 14, like the sheep, they are destined for the grave and death will feed on them. The upright will rule over them in the morning 
Their forms will decay in the grave far from their princely mansions. They've accumulated such money that they have princely mansions. But they cannot escape God's vengeance. They are enslaved to death and eventually they experience death itself. And this is the message of the Bible. That we cannot think that because I've got riches, I can take it easy and avoid death. Jesus teaches a parable that teaches this truth as well. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, then Jesus said to the crowd, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, now that he's got his big barns with all his crops in there, what will he say to himself? You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. This is the teaching of Scripture. But we see again and again as we look around in life, people are accumulating wealth, accumulating possessions with the hope that they can prolong their life, that they can somehow escape death. And if people do not have money, what do they trust in instead? Well, they trust in the wealth of others to save them, to save them from death. Don't many people expect the government to save their lives? And aren't many politicians happy to tax those who are wealthier and redistribute the wealth so that you are able to prolong your life? If we have this government that will tax in this way and give me money, give me resources, they will prolong my life. How? By giving me good health care so that I'm prevented from particular diseases ending my life. Prevention of crime, violent crime that might end my life. And they may prevent war from ending my life as well. And so we expect that somebody else can redeem our life from the grave, that somebody else can prolong our life if we do not have money. But what does experience teach us? Experience teaches us what the Bible teaches us in verse 7, that no man can redeem the life of another. No doctor is good enough to keep you out of the grave. No politician, no rich friend can fund your expenses so that you are kept from the grave indefinitely. So what is the message of Psalm 49 and the message of the Bible? Was well, all have sinned and due to God's justice are now enslaved to death. They're enchained to death. And what else does the Bible teach? Well, no matter what we do, we cannot buy eternal life by paying a ransom. There is no ransom price that's enough to get those chains lifted from our shoulders. Why? Because blood is demanded for blood. And this is the bad news of the scriptures. But what's the good news? What's the message of the Bible? Well, it includes bad news, but it also includes good news. And that is what we saw in verse 15, that God can redeem people from the grave. Verse 15 said, But God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself. How does God ransom people who are enslaved to death? His justice demands blood. How can he ransom them? 
Well, it's with blood. It's not with silver or gold that God ransoms his people from the grave. It is with the blood of his son. Blood is required for murderous actions. And so blood was given by God. Man cannot redeem man, but God can. How did he do so? Well, God the Father gave his son. And God the Son gave his life. And God the Holy Spirit applies the blood of Christ Jesus to his people so that he is ransomed from the grave and set free to have eternal life. This is what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 2. He says that Jesus is the mediator between us and God who pays our ransom. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, the God-man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. There is one who can mediate between us and God and pay the ransom for us. And he has done so with his blood, with his life. That's what he says in Mark 10, verse 44, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What is the ransom price? Well, it's blood, it's life. And a life has been given by the Lord Jesus himself. And Peter agrees in that passage that we had read for us just before by saying it's not money that pays the ransom price. Instead, it is the blood of Christ Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. It is by the precious blood of Christ, not silver or gold, that we have been set free. But what sort of life does God set free his people for? He removes the chains of death, what does he, sort of life does he set us free for? Well, it's a life with God. We see that in verse 15 of Psalm 49. But God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself. He will take us to be with him, to live a life with him as our father and we as his children. That's what the Apostle Paul teaches in Galatians chapter 4. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. The Apostle Paul reminds us that we're in slavery. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem, to pay that ransom price, those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. We are set free from slavery, not to then be servants of God, but to be sons of God. And because you are sons, the Apostle Paul says, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, what does that mean? God made you also an heir. We have an inheritance. We have been set free from slavery to death and the judgment to come, the eternal death in hell, and are his sons and heirs. And what sort of inheritance do we have if we've been set free by God? Well... Hebrews 9.15 tells us that we receive this inheritance. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. We have this inheritance that is eternal. Now that he, Jesus, has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. And what is that freedom that we have, that eternal life that we have in inheritance? Well, it's a life of blessing, a life of joy in heaven, that life of blessing that was promised to Abraham so many years ago by God. 
Galatians chapter 3 says in verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. We've been ransomed from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. His blood, his death was in our place. Instead of us dying, he died. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He was hung on a tree and cursed on our behalf. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, through Christ Jesus. And how will we live in heaven? In this state of joy and happiness will be by living lives of doing good, of living righteously, sin-free. One of the great attractions of heaven for me is that I will no longer have to worry about my sin every day, but instead I'll be living a life of righteousness. And we see that in Titus chapter 2, where we're reminded of what we have been ransomed for, set free for. Titus chapter 2, verse 13 says, The glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from what? From all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that is very own, eager to do what is good. This is what we've been ransomed for, is a life of goodness, eager to do what is good. What about now? Do we have any of these benefits now if we have been ransomed by God? The answer is yes. There is a redemption from death that the redeemed experience even now. We have a spiritual life now. We, are, we were once dead spiritually to God. That's why we just sinned constantly. But now we have spiritual life because Christ has paid the penalty for us. And so we actually live. Part of the chains have been removed and so we actually live as we should. How else do we see signs of redemption even in our lives now? Well, it's by having a relationship with God. What are we being redeemed to? It's to be part of God's family. And even now in this world, we enjoy having God as our father and his people as our brothers and sisters. We have the son as an elder brother and we have the Holy Spirit as a counsellor who's there with us at all times. And what else do we have? Well, we have blessing and joy even now. There is a joy that we can experience as a redeemed people now who have been saved from slavery to death. Why? Why do we have joy now? Well, knowing that we're going to live in heaven for eternity, it changes your perspective of everything. It changes your perspective of work, of relationships with family and friends. It changes your perspective of possessions, wealth, a material gain. And so no matter how hard these things may be, work or relationships with those around you or lack of possessions, you can be happy. Why? Because you know you're redeemed and you have eternal life. And this world is such a, a, a small blip on your timeline. And so you can rejoice even now. You can know the blessing of God. And what else? Well, the redeemed now are eager to do good instead of evil. You see that in God's people. They're eager to do right now because of the spiritual life that is in them. They've been saved, ransomed from slavery to death to do good. And you see it in their lives. They're changed. They no longer want to live for themselves. They want to live for God instead. So what's the Bible's message? The Bible's message is that all have sinned. The Bible's message is that all are therefore enslaved to death because of the justice of God, that our treacherous assassination attempts on God demand our death. 
and we cannot buy eternal life by any means that we have at our disposal. But the Bible's message is also that there is a ransom that does pay, and it has been paid by God for his people, and that is Jesus Christ, that his ransom is valuable, far more valuable than anything else that we have in our lives. But who does God buy out from slavery? Who does he pay the ransom for? Is it for everyone? No. It is only for those who believe by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we see that in that verse that I quoted before from Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, He redeemed us, God redeemed us, in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus, Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. It is by faith. It is only for those who trust in God that they are redeemed that the ransom price has been paid so that they live for eternity. But you may be saying, why do I believe this? Why should I believe this message? Because I see Christians still die. Why should I believe this? Why should I put my trust in God? Why should I trust Christ Jesus as the ransom price that is owed for my life? How can I know that this is true? That there is a ransom that is paid and gives eternal life. Well, it's by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There's been someone who has been redeemed from the grave completely and utterly, and that is Jesus Christ. He came back to life. Scripture hangs on the resurrection of Christ Jesus. If you can prove that Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, then Christianity evaporates. It shouldn't be believed because there is no hope in it. But if Christ has been raised then this is worth believing. It is the only way of salvation then, because he is the only one who has come back from the grave. And so therefore there is a ransom that has been paid, and it is sufficient, and you too can be raised as he was raised. He died, yes, you will die, yes, but you will be raised to eternal life just as he was raised is the promise of Scripture. So are you trying to buy your way out of slavery to death? Are you trying to escape from death without Christ Jesus by some other means? The Bible says you're being utterly foolish. And experience confirms it as well. That every time a rich man dies, it shows that it is foolish to think that by some means you have or somebody else has in this world that you can somehow save your life. You're like the beasts that perish. As it says in verse 20, a man who has riches without understanding is like the beasts that perish. You're no better than a dog or a sheep or a cow or a bird that flies through the air. You will die just the same. A bird has nothing or maybe has a nest, but he'll die from his nest as well. And you will die from your nest. And you will not be raised to life eternal if you're outside of Christ Jesus. May it not be, if that is you, be like Zach and Gabby. Why are they getting baptised today? Well, there's many reasons why Gabby and Zach are getting baptised. But one reason is to testify that Christ has bought eternal life for them in his blood. When they get baptised, they're testifying that they have been ransomed from slavery to death. How does water baptism show this? Well, what has happened to Gabby and Zach internally? What has happened to them spiritually? Well, by faith... They've died with Christ. They've died with Christ for sin. 
They've been buried with Christ. 2,000 years ago, Gabby and Zach were buried with Christ. And they've also been raised to life. They have new life now. Death and hell that they deserve has already happened for them. As Christ suffered on the cross, he experienced the hell that Gabby and Zach deserve. And so they've already died with him. The water baptism that you see happening to them today doesn't save them, but it symbolises the dying, burial and resurrection that does save. As they go down into the water, they go down into a deathly place. They're covered with the water. They're buried under the water. And then what happens? They will come back up and they will take a breath. And what does that symbolise? The new life, the resurrection from the grave that has already happened internally so many years ago with Christ Jesus. And so death is no longer a fear for Gabby and Zach. It's simply a doorway. The physical death that we experience as Christians, it's simply a doorway by which we go into our eternal inheritance, eager to do good for all of eternity. So Gabby and Zach will rejoice today. Why? Because God has bought them eternal life by his son. They've recognised that there was no ransom that they could pay. But Christ has paid the ransom. And so they have been set free from slavery to sin. And so I encourage you to share their hope. If you've never shared their hope before, how? Trust in Christ's blood to ransom you from death with the rest of us who have trusted in Christ, along with Zach and Gabby. Share their hope. Understand that there is a ransom that has been paid, and no matter how vile a sinner you are, the cost has been met in Christ Jesus. That's what our final hymn that we'll sing after their, their baptism says. Look with me in your bulletins at verse 2 of To God Be the Glory. The wonderful hope that we have, the wonderful message of salvation. Verse 2 of To God Be the Glory, our final hymn, it says, O perfect redemption, the purchase of money, no, the purchase of blood, to every believer the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. We receive from the King of Kings, no matter how terribly we've tried to assassinate him in our lives, we receive a pardon. Why? Because the purchase of blood. If you've never sung that verse before and meant it in your hearts, I encourage you to sing it later today. Sing it now, even within your heart now. And say with Gabby and Zach, the verse 15, verse 15 of Psalm 49, God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself. Say it with them today. And then won't you experience the joy and the peace that many of us now share with Zach and Gabby. The peace that we have that we've been set free from slavery to death. And then won't you thank God. Thank God and sing his praises today. Because he is your redeemer. And he is the one who is your king. Let's come before him in prayer now. Let's speak to God. Heavenly Father, we praise you as the God of justice who does not let the guilty go unpunished. But you're also a God who is merciful. You're merciful in redeeming many from death with the precious blood of Christ. Oh Lord, we come before you and we confess that we have sinned and deserve death. 
We deserve to be enslaved in the chains of hell for all of eternity. But Lord, we come before you and thank you for ransoming us who believe from the grave. Lord, we ask that you would help us by the power of the Spirit to rejoice in the life you have given us through Christ Jesus. And Lord, if there is anyone here who is trusting in money or something else to buy them out of slavery to death, may they repent now and have life by faith in Christ Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen.